My name is Patricia Kathleen, and this podcast series will contain interviews I conduct with women, female-identified, and non-binary individuals regarding their professional stories and personal narrative as it relates to their perspective. This podcast is designed to hold a space for all individuals to learn from their counterparts, regardless of age, status, or industry. We intend to transparently investigate the evolving global dialogue regarding underrepresented figures in all industries across the USA and abroad. By hosting these stories and conversations, we aim to contribute to the changing platform and representation of these individuals for the future. If you are enjoying this podcast series, be sure to check out our subsequent series called Roundtable with Patricia Kathleen, where we talk with a panel of guests regarding key topics that arise in these individual interviews. You can subscribe to all of our podcast series on iTunes, Stitcher, or Podbean, as well as our website, patriciacathleen.com. You can also contact me directly via this website or through my media website, wild.agency. That's W-I-L-D-E dot agency. Thanks for listening. Now let's start the conversation. Hi, everyone, and welcome back. I am your host, Patricia, and today I am sitting down with Mariella Katz. Mariella is the founder and CEO of Frenzer, which is a social media agency. You can locate it online, www.frenzer, that's F-R-E-N-Z-R.com. Welcome, Mariella. Thank you so much for having me. Thank you. I'm so excited to kind of climb through. Social media is such an ever-changing platform, and I love talking with gurus in that space. And um, I can't wait to glean some of your wisdom and kind of crawl through your business acumen for our um, audience listening. For everyone listening, I will read a bio on Mariella. But before I do that, a quick roadmap of today's podcast that I'll be following um, throughout my questioning. We'll first look at uh, Mariella's academic and professional background. And then we will turn our efforts towards unpacking Frenzer.com. We'll start off with the logistics of who, what, when, where, how, and why of the founding of it. And then we'll get into the ethos and some of the philosophy of behind the scenes and, and how the company bases its culture. And then we'll turn our efforts towards examining goals that Mariella might have for the next one to three years. Those are ever changing in today's current climate. And we'll wrap everything up with advice that Mariella may have for those of you who are looking to get involved or perhaps mirror or emulate her career success. A quick bio on Mariella. Mariella Katz is the founder of Montreal's leading social media agency, Frenzer. She also teaches a variety of professional workshops on social media, content creation, personal branding, and influencer marketing hosting over 1,500 unique students. She's also an entrepreneurship and marketing teacher in two different colleges from the, vari uh, the variety of interesting conversations that Mariella would have on the day-to-day -day with clients and business owners. She dedicated to create the Socially Unfiltered podcast as well, where she interviews a variety of entrepreneurs in an unfiltered way. So, and all of that is, again, located um, on her website, which is www.frenzer.com. And I'll let Mariella drop all of her um, favorite social handles as we kind of unpack everything. But before we climb into Frenzer, um, Mariella, I'm hoping you can kind of briefly describe your academic background and early professional life so as to develop like a platform for understanding you. 
Yeah, of course. And I think, uh, especially since I teach now, this component of the education is extremely interesting um, for everyone that is listening. And I think that the storyline of it is, is very interesting, even for me now that I look back at it. So the way I kind of started my, my, my passion for what I do, um, that was with my, with my early uh, teenage years, uh, kind of passions and explorations with, you know, um, photography, with videography. And one of the things that I was, you know, like all teenage girls really passionate about is learning how to do makeup and hair. And, you know, my mom wouldn't teach me that. So I was like, great. Well, nowadays we have this great platform called YouTube and I can look all of this myself and I can self-teach. So when I had my first job, so I was 16, I had my first job as a waitress and I saved all of this money. Well, not really saved, but I was kind of saving and, and, and spending at the, at the same time, right? So I was investing all of that into, into the makeup, into the tools that I would see online. And eventually what started happening is like, I would look at these YouTube tutorials and I'd be like, wow, I am as equipped as these, you know, gurus or makeup artists and whatnot. And I feel like I can do a better production than they're doing. <laughs> and I feel like I can kind of, in a way, relate a different kind of message because I, w I wasn't at the time, you know, 40 years old. I, ha I would have a completely different audience that would be teenage, you know, 16 to uh, you know, 18, 20 year old. And just like that was, was born my first YouTube channel. Well, first and, and only one, I guess, um, where I really dove into, uh, you know, makeup, hair, um, day-to-day vlogs and whatnot. So keep in mind, this is happening 12 years ago. So this is a long time ago. Uh, most people were not familiar with what you know, vlogging was with what, you know, kind of being a personality on YouTube was. So to my environment, to my parents, to my friends, this was all very, very strange thing that is very common nowadays, right? So there's yeah. no questions asked. It's like, oh yeah, okay, I understand. I, I know what that is. So this is really where um, I guess my passion for social media started because with all of that came a community that I had to start supporting, right? So it's like, not everyone could necessarily be on YouTube only, but they had to be a Facebook page. Instagram wasn't around at the time yet, but there was a, a Facebook page and a blog. So the three channels were kind of feeding each other and collaborating. So I was managing everything of that. I became a YouTube partner, which uh, for those of you that are, might not be familiar with uh, what a YouTube partner is, you, you get paid per clicks on your ads. Back in the day, and I guess I can say back in the day because it's 12 years ago, um, it was fairly simplistic. They have obviously changed their platform and the rules and, you know, in the whole ad game uh, a lot now. But back then it was pretty straightforward and pretty easy um, to, get, to get paid. And so you, you would get like some micro cents on the click, but eventually that would add up. And for a 16 year old, it was fairly good. So that's how it all started. So. So what are we talking about with that? I mean, I have to ask, you know, ballpark, were you the wealthiest 16 year old in your town or were you just making babysitting money? Uh, not, not, not the babysitting money, but not the wealthiest one. So okay. Something so, okay. in the middle. Like a few hundred dollars per month, which nice. 
which was fair. Yeah. But keep in mind, I, I was spending much more in makeup then <laughs> to, to feed everything off. Um, so at the time here, so I, I live in Canada. Um, we, we have this, we have a college, so we call it CJEP. We need to go to CJEP before we go to university. So that was the time that I needed to apply for CJEP. And, um, you know, my parents, like very good immigrants, they asked me, so where are we going with this, you know? And I was like, well, I don't really know because, you know, the career paths that you would like for me to follow, which was, you know, being a doctor, um, a lawyer, an accountant was really not my calling. So, you know, after a few heavy brainstorming sessions with my parents, um, we agreed that communications would be a good fit. And I completely agree with that, especially considering, you know, what I was currently doing with YouTube. And luckily enough, there was a college right next to where I lived that it was the first year that they offered this program called Interactive Media and Web TV, which was in a nutshell exactly what I was doing already. Mm -hmm. So it was filming, photography, uh, writing, social media. It was exactly what I was doing. So now I was lucky enough to be able to enroll into that, do two years of CJEP our equivalent of a college, and then later on um, pursue my university. When came the time to choose my university path, um, I had stopped doing YouTube. Um, I wanted to really do advertising. So working in an advertising agency, my path was the agency path. For no specific reason, I just felt like I would fit in. So. So for university, I, I applied to advertising, which is a certificate. A certificate is a one-year degree, uh, a university degree, which I finished. It was amazing. I loved it so much. And as I was about to finish it, I started looking up, you know, looking for jobs, internships, and I realized, wow, the market is tough. Like, you know, I have yeah. all this creative experience already in terms of, you know, my personal projects. I have these great, you know, kind of education, this great education that comes and supports it, but no one seemed interested. So I was like, okay, what can I really do in order to, you know, find a job? So I revamped and recreated my CV many, many times. And, um, you know, I was looking for an internship or a job. Once again, I was open to both. And I was like, okay, maybe I need to kind of deepen my knowledge a little bit more. So I applied for a PR and communication management certificate, which would be given a few months later. So like I'm talking maybe seven months later. Mm. As I got accepted, I also got a job. So I got a full-time job as, as I got accepted to this program. And I told myself, you know what, I will manage both. So I had this dream agency job and it just so happened that it was, it was a small agency that they were just starting, uh, starting up, but they had really, really solid clients. So that was really great. Um, they had a solid team. Um, you know, they had the perfect location, perfect office, name it. Everything was so aligned with what I wanted that it was the perfect fit. So I started my work, eventually started my schooling too. So I was sitting full-time, working full-time, um, and studying at night, obviously. So that's really 
in, in a nutshell, what the schooling part came to be. Mm -hmm. And slightly later on was born Frenzer. And um, I can dive into that right away if you want me to. Yeah, I do. I kind of, I, it sounds like you've got a smattering of like different skill sets that are coming to fruition and to bear. Um, what year was Frenzer, Frenzer founded? So 2016. And were you the sole co-founder or did you, or founder or did you have co-founders? Yeah, sole founder and still to this day. Did you take any funding? No, no funding. And uh, it's a great question. And I get asked that question quite often, like, oh my God, how did you start it? Um, where did you get your initial funding from? And what I always explain is like when you are service-based and when you are able to offer that skill sets that, you know, your service provides, well, you don't really need any funding as long as, you know, you have obviously the, the tools. And in my case, it was a computer or a camera, um, you know, maybe a few softwares that I needed. I had all of that. So I didn't need any funding to get started. All I needed was my time and what time. Was the, what was the growth like in, in the first year? Um, it the first year was really exponential. Um, so it started off so I was still working at, at my agency and um, I had always maintained and kept my uh, my social media presence after uh, the YouTube days so I had my personal Instagram page that you know it's still fairly popular I mean I'm just posting a little bit less nowadays mm -hmm. um, and that if you want to follow as yes you told me earlier it's Ella Cat so E-L-L-A Cats, K-A-T-Z-Z, -Z, uh, so with two Zs at the end. Um, so that's my personal page, and, and uh, some, you know, some girl came into the office and, um, and where I was still working in the agency, and she was like, Mariella? I'm like, huh, hi, do I know you? And she's like, no, but I follow you. I'm like, oh, that's really cool. You know, it, it hadn't happened for a while, you know. Yeah. So I was like, hi, you know. And she's like, I, I came here for a meeting, but unfortunately, we don't have the budget to work with you guys um, at the agency, but I would love to give you some of my products and perhaps you can talk about them on your page. And obviously, I was, you know, at work. I'm not going to tell the girl, well, no. So she came in and, um, you know, kind of we, we chatted. She explained to me that she couldn't afford us as an agency, uh, but she would love to give me some of her products for me to talk about on my page. To which I agreed, although I didn't know her, she kind of caught me off guard. I was at work, you know. Um, so she goes, you know, I don't have the full size uh, products, nor my full line with me right now. Let's meet for coffee this week close by, and I'll give you everything, run you down through my line and whatnot. So I agreed. I meet her later that week uh, from a quick meeting that was supposed to be, you know, 20, 30 minutes. It ends up being a three-hour thing. We chatted about life products, beauty, uh, herself, myself, and, and whatnot, uh, which was amazing. So obviously we bonded, we connected so well. And at the end of the meeting, I'm like, okay, amazing. Let's, let's do this. I will talk about your products. Um, let me just kind of take a look at your branding, what your image is like right now, and, and we can discuss and maybe I can just align myself with the sort of content that you would like for me to produce. So as I go on to her Instagram, her Facebook, I see she has six posts, like a, you know, a few followers, about 60 followers at the time on Instagram, um, and kind of the same thing going on on Facebook. And I explained to her, I can post my life away, but 
my posts will never convert because you don't have the image on the other hand that's going to come and support who you truly are. Hmm. Are you so, talking about branding when you talk about image supporting who she is or what do you mean by that? Yeah, branding through social media. So, you know, you know how in, in, a, in a quick few seconds, once you arrive on a page, you understand who this, who this brand is, who this person is. That's exactly what I'm referring to. And it is part of branding, you know, on the more traditional side of things, but it's also part of just social media branding that is slightly different and achieved in a, in a different way. And, you know, I kind of look at this, I look at her, and I'm like, you know, you're a good person, I'm a good person, give me your passwords, give me your products, and I'll post for you for a month, rather than me posting, you know, on my page, I'll post from your page for a month, and let's chat in a month. I, you know, I have time. This is, this will be fun. And it's a creative experiment. Yeah. She agrees. She's like, oh my God, thank you so much. Let's do this. So a month later, you know, I think I had managed to do a post every other day for her and whatnot. A variety of pictures that, you know, illustrated and demonstrated her products in a variety of settings. Um, and, you know, through tactics like, uh, like a hashtag strategy, uh, you know, strategic liking, strategic following. I had managed to grow her account to about a thousand followers. So obviously she was super happy. She and this was, was from 60 originally? Yeah, from 60. Wow. Obviously this growth is very, very hard to achieve based on all the changes that Instagram has went through in terms of the algorithm and the way they function. Um, but back then it was very, very achievable. And I can and I have to say like, you know, from my memory, it wasn't even hard. It was, it came so natural for me. Mm. And throughout that month, she would be like, oh my God, you know, she would text me, can I call you? She would call me and tell me like, oh, people are calling me and they're asking me like, what's happening to your business? You're booming, you're explaining. And she's like, oh my, nothing is changing, but only you've taken over. And now you've given me this image as if I'm growing and as if, you know, things, things just look much nicer. So she started even getting approached by stores, by retailers, and her social media was really playing a big role into, um, into her getting into retail stores. It was really a true portfolio. So that was amazing. And then uh, a month, about a month later, so even before our month expired, someone from her entourage saw the social media work and she, they, they had asked who was doing it. She, you know, kind of referred them to me. And they were, uh, it was a super nice conference uh, that was hosted here in Montreal. So I spoke at this con conference about doing social media for small businesses. And basically I kind of entailed in a 30 minute presentation you know, everything that I was doing for this small company. And a lot of people connected. So from there, I got a few contracts. Um, what year was that that you spoke? Do you remember? Um, so this has to be about four years and a half ago. Okay. Yeah. Um, so so you, you garnered some, some early clients from that. Yeah. So it from sounds there. like, did the clients, did this kind of accidental ac um, accumulation of clients develop Frenzer? Did it happen in reverse? Did you not launch the company until you actually had people banging down your door? So 
initially I was simply freelancing, right? So I kept her on as a client um, and she was a client for a few years, you know, even after obviously Frenzer was born and I had a team in an office and so on and so forth. Um, but initially I have, a, I had about six clients that were, you know, Mariella's clients, they weren't Frenzer's clients. But quickly I started realizing that, okay, I have this job, I have my freelancing gigs, um, Obviously, my freelancing was taking over and I was so much more passionate about it that I was not motivated at my job. So, you know, I was starting to plan how, how am I going to quit and how am I going to juggle this uh, entrepreneurship life, which for me was uh, unheard of in terms of just my past, how the way my parents raised me, what I've been brought up into. I had never experienced or even taught that I would become an entrepreneur um, ever. Although now looking back, there were so many signs pointing at that, right. but once again, I wasn't aware. So I told myself my goal is to uh, break even in terms of my salary that I was making and my freelancing. And from there, once I kind of, I'm at the same salary, I will let go of my job. So that was the first goal that happened initially. And that happened really fast. So I had, you know, my, my six clients or maybe I had to go to seven to kind of break even or something of the kind. Um, I broke even really, really fast. So I let go of my job. When you say really fast, do you mean within a month or within a year? To, uh, in about two months. Oh, wow. Months. Super fast. After, okay. after the conference, it took about two months. Um, but I was also prospecting and kind of reaching out to companies. So it wasn't just people that came to on my, you know, came to me. Uh, I would kind of look at, into the brands that I loved that were around me. So for example, um, one of my first clients was this gym that was based in the in the same building where I lived, and I reached out to them and I was like, "Hi guys, like I know very well who you are. I live in the same building. I do social media. This is what I've done for a few other brands." Um, and I really believe that I can achieve this, 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 and this for you. And my email was, and my emails are always structured in a like no brainer type of way. So it's like, so if you read it, it was like, yes, of course I want all of these things. So you kind of had to almost, you know, yeah. like, yeah. Let me call. let's chat. Um, so that was really the way I went about, you know, breaking even, I let go of my job and then you know, the goal was just to freelance. There was no goal of, you know, starting an agency right away. I didn't really think about that. But what started happening is that I started becoming overwhelmed. I noticed that, okay, I am really good at photography, but I'm not the best at all kinds of photography, right? I'm good at writing, but I might not be the best copywriter out there. Um, you know, very quickly, I started noticing that I needed a team. And that need for a team came in really quickly and I didn't really know how I was going to position it. So what is this? We're two freelancers. Like, are you right. my, my freelancer employee? So, you know, just coming off from the agency um, background now, I was like, okay, let's, th this is an agency model, although small, you know, it's a boutique agency. So uh, that's how really friends are started. So in a matter of about one week, I was like, I really need to, um, to put this out there, even just restructure it for my current clients. Um, you know, because 
I needed to get things more organized. It, could, it couldn't be uh, coming out from Mariella. My invoicing was a mess. Nothing was structured. I needed something that was a little bit more established and more proper. Things that a lot of people ask me today, how did you achieve? And to be honest, it was all like baby steps, one thing at a time. Mm. So um, I came up with the name, uh, Friendser comes, with the, comes from the words friends. Um, and that's really what I always want to achieve from my clients is friendship with their audience. And the same thing, um, you know, for, I want to be the friends of my clients too, you know, that perfect yeah. middleman. So friends are kind of like that verbalization of, of friends. And I was like, you know, you know, it was available. So I took it all across and, um, it's interesting though you've done a change of like the spelling on it like it, it also i was like i wonder if it's like frenzy because you're a social media agency like causing like a frenzy about you know your clients and things like that the interpretation has like i think a lot of completely completely and um to be honest i well i'm russian bulgarian um and then french speaking and then english speaking so frenzy was not in my vocabulary back then um i had no clue what it meant and I started noticing that, you know, um, word or anything, anywhere I would write it, friends or it would autocorrect me to frenzy. And I was like, what is frenzy? <laughs> yeah. and, uh, that's how I learned about the word frenzy. And it, it is a complete fit into, in a way, what, what we do. Yes, we, and we do disturb kind of the space. And yes, we do create a buzz for our clients. So um, in a very, um, you know, non-voluntary way frenzy is also a fit with frenzer but the initial thought behind it is really from uh, the word friends and now today especially with we do a, so much work with influencer marketing it works even more um, yeah. in regards to that well i think you have an interesting um business and uh, as well as all social media businesses but there's this like very unique bridge that it feels like you have to maintain between it's a much more personal relationship that you would have with your clients this idea of being friends it, it's actually required and back in the day i don't think you know 10 years ago being friends with your business associates was required even sometimes not even advised however when you're representing someone's, you know, um, external and internal voice, you do have to become more intimate with them than you would normally when you have that. Yeah. It, it transpired, like it's transponded the like traditional marketing realm, right? You actually became a more intimate voice mouthpiece for your client. And I'm wondering um, to that end, what kind of clients do you currently service? Do you, do you span all industries or do you have a specific niche market that tends to come more to you? Yeah, we do serve all industries in terms of, you know, the big spectrum. So yes, on that. However, we do specialize on more lifestyle brands. Now, what is a lifestyle brand? The definition can be different for a lot of people. Um, you know, I, to me, a lifestyle brand is a brand that doesn't feel good. Um, an accountant he does good, but he doesn't feel good, you know? So that's the, our, that's really our ideal client. Uh, but, you know, we work with spas, we work with gyms, we work with um, consumer products, whether they're beauty, uh, beauty wellness, um, more on the medical side of things, so more supplements. Um, we work with uh, food, a lot of food from different categories of the food industries. Um, we work with fashion, 
we work with a variety of brands. We have medical clinics that are a little bit more on the medical side. We have uh, clinics that are more on the beauty side of things. So as you can see, the you know, it is broad, but in a way, all of these clients, they're, they are open to get creative and they are open to stand out. And, you know, uh, even when, when a, more, a little bit more of a traditional client will, will, come to, will come to us, we've worked a lot and we still work with orthodontists. And, you know, they, they do good. They don't necessarily feel good, you know, having braces is not like the best. Right. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but I always tell them, as long as you're open to doing something creative and fun um, and standing out in regards to your social media, we can help you. But if you want to keep it super simple and boring, I'm not your person. Yeah. Um, well, so, and, and I want to actually kind of hit on that point as well. Um, there's a paradox within social media companies. You know, it's too layered. Um, how do you brand yourself when your business is branding? How you brand yourself becomes an immediate judgment point that a lot of other businesses don't have on their plate. And so do you feel like your own company, your own friends or branding is um, kind of creative and off key and not boring to the same pitch that you're giving your clients? Completely. Uh, but in the same way, <clears throat> I always make sure that my, our clients and, you know, potential clients understand that we are who we are, but who we are doesn't define who they need to be. And, okay. you know, everyone has their separate uh, branding and their separate social media goals, whether they're visual, whether they're, you know, the, um, you know, the tactics and their goals and, and whatnot, that is completely different. You know, we are, we are the people that we are, but at the end of the day, we can create so many different things. And yes, although I do believe that we're never reinventing the wheel, I still believe that for different industries and different clients, there's so many things that haven't been done. Um, and at least sometimes that haven't been done in our country or in our city. Um, and we can still think outside of the box. Also, one thing that plays often against most marketing agencies in Quebec um, is that we are uh, bilingual. So English and French or French and English, actually, French tends to always come first in terms of everything, um, advertising and marketing. Um, but we actually take it as something really cool that allows our clients to stand out. And we kind of play onto the whole, even if you go into our website, you'll see where, uh, you know, I think, I think what I wrote was like, we, we speak fr Franklish. So, yeah. you know, and we, we do speak French and English. And I can, in very often here, in, at least in Montreal, we do speak this perfect Franklish. So it's like a mix of English and French all in the same sense. I love it. Yeah, um, I love border cities for that reason or cities that share multiple cultures and languages. I am in San Diego and the same thing is true with Spanish and English here. And it's yeah. exciting. It's a whole third language as well. You know, it's, it's a beautiful thing. And when that carries over into your marketing, I think that it carries a tone of inclusivity. Yeah. You know, that is absolutely brilliant and what I think everyone's looking for. I'm curious, how do you manage expectations and goals with clients that come to you? I think that there's a lot of um, misperception and because the ties are changing and the algorithms along with it across all social media platforms, and it's becoming more difficult um, yeah. for good and for bad, you know, to yeah. kind of increase your numbers. 
Um, I always talk about, you know, that half the Kardashians have fake followers, you know, or half their followers are fake. Like these kind of genuine followers have become the new target. These people that have like actually engaged audiences rather than just, you know, 500,000 followers or whatever the new norm is. Um, How do you yourself have that conversation with clients that start? Do you manage expectations? Do you start with goals that you have for them? Do you listen to their goals? How does that dialogue happen? The first thing is I will ask them what their goals are and what their musts are, you know, and the musts is, is something that I included recently into, into my conversation, my initial conversations, because it is so important that although we can build a strategy based on their goals, based on everything that we've laid out, sometimes clients have this one particular thing or this one particular person that they love and they just want to work with them. Although he's maybe not necessarily a fit into the strategy. I just want to know who this person is, or I just want to know this one thing that they would really love to do. And if I can achieve their musts, that's always my goal, you know, and it makes them so happy. Now in terms of the expectations and the goals, I always ask, and obviously I have to ask, Goals very often are going to be, um, for, from what I've seen, they have become unachievable nowadays. Back in the days, I want to say like two years ago, the client would tell me like, oh, you want to grow with like 300 followers then? I was like, don't worry, oh, that's easy. I'll double that, you know? Mm-hmm. Now that's really not the reality. So um, I have found myself in this lingo of where I, I need to, explain and there's a lot of education that comes with it that you know social media has taken a completely different turn that you know we cannot necessarily predict how many uh, new followers you're going to gain and whatnot so that stays in a way open i can kind of give them a direction based on you know what we're posting um, how many times we're posting our strategy etc etc i can give a somewhat estimation, but it's much harder than what it used to be. Yeah. And also, um, I always make sure that, you know, I, I explain that the results will, you know, they will come from our efforts, but also from the client's efforts. And social media today, the, the most successful social media stories are the ones where people uh, you know, behind the brands have shined light into who they are and into their personal selves. So people that, you know, that are managing companies open up into their personal lives, open up into their personal stories, struggles. Um, you know, they, they make all exa- exactly what we're doing right now, this, this storytelling in a much more genuine and raw way. They open up and they let the audience into it. Because at the end of the day, people love people. They don't love brands. So now if you can, if your brand can become, you know, somewhat of a person and have this face and this personality, well, people are going to connect and love it much more. Um, you know, we can think of Spanx, for example, very easily, where on the stories you go on and boom, the founder is there. She's, she's funny. She's genuine. <laughs> you know, you can laugh with her. She's going to explain you things. She's going to show you things. Um, and you will see bits and pieces of her life in her office and whatnot. Yeah. There's also a Montreal brand that I personally love. They're called Midday Squares. They're this, this small functional training, uh, functional bar. Um, it's an amazing product, but at the end of the day, it's only a product. And there's so many of these products. You know, I'm not comparing them. I'm sure they're, they're, they're very different. I've actually interviewed 
um, Leslie from one of their co-founders, but at the end of the day, it's only a product, right? But what really makes them stand out in regards to social media is that you open up their stories and they're showing you everything that's happening. Yeah, and the individualization, right? The micro influencer and, and all of learning the back end of, I think it's part of, it's, it's, I like the evolution. You know, it's also taking yeah. off filters. It's no longer vogue to have this perfect, I always laugh when I see like Instagram photos that have like this perfectly polished because Gen Z and a lot of people coming up are talking about how that's not what they want to see anymore. It's yeah. the, the advent of the micro influencer showed people that they didn't want these weird, crazy plastic ideals, but rather someone that was real and had a backstory and had these you know, converging intersections of desires and wants and people getting into the individuality of that person. And the day people search, what they crave is they just want to relate to someone, yeah. right? And, Absolutely. And whether that is a brand or a person, make yourself relatable. Yeah. And today that can be achieved in so many ways, but obviously it's maybe it's second nature for me, but it's not second nature for everyone, you know, to open up and show things and explain and, um, you know, be raw, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. So there is also on, on my part with my clients, there is a training part of things where right. you know, I do, you know, we do everything on the agency side where I'm like, if you want to do more, if you want to be proactive on your end, this is what we can do too. So looking at how you advise your clients, I'm wondering, a lot of times there's two different, I find there's two different modes. There are people that are great at giving advice, but not giving it to themselves or people that just carry it across their entire continuum. And that usually is reflected within their goals. And so I'm wondering, do you for Frenzer, for the company and where you're headed, do you set out like one to three year traditional business goals or do you kind of play it by what you're seeing at the time? Are they more monthly goals? How does that work? And what are your goals for the next future? Yeah, um, on my end, in terms of the company, early on, I had yearly goals. I had every three year goals, every you know, five year goals. And I realized that the industry that we're in changes and moves so quickly that these goals are not necessarily relevant when they're so long-term. So right now we have quarterly goals and <clears throat> those obviously have been shifted because of COVID. Um, you know, that situation really has impacted everyone from our clients to us, um, everyone around the, glo the globe, of course. Um, but in general, we have quarterly goals, um, you know, that have to do with our current clients. Well, first with the team, I always start with the team. There, there's no service happening. There's no friends or if there's no team. So in regards to the team, what needs to be achieved? There's, are we missing something? For example, um, are we missing, maybe it's a platform. Are we kind of lacking some organization? Um, could we maybe hire someone new? Can we improve on a skill set? So I always start from the team. Then we look at actual clients. Okay, on our current active clients, what needs to be done? What can we improve? Who can we advise on a different, um, on something different, on something as an add-on? Maybe it's an upsell, but maybe not. You know, and it's not. It's not necessarily about the upsell. If we can make an upsell, great, because it's obviously going to benefit our client, but it's not about the upsell at that point. It's just how can we improve everything? 
And as a step three, that's when I, I look and I take care of, of that part is the development. So the, biz, the business development. So who, once again, always staying aligned with our, uh, you, know, you know, our ideal clients, who are our ideal clients that we would love to work with. And let's, let's open the conversation and speak to them. Yeah. That's cool. I mean, I like that you tie kind of the narrative, you know, of your company and what you're doing into your goals. Um, I think it makes it both communicative and reasonable at the same time. I don't hear a lot of people doing that. It's it's weird how um, like frozen and, and unrealistic some people can get when they talk about goals or just disassociated you know, the goals don't really match their personality. It's like they, they started to just become this isolated, cold individual when they talked about their goals and integrating those, at very least, creates a more fluid dialogue between goal and person or company and um, goal therein, the personality I, of the company. I want to share something as we're kind of speaking on, on that topic, I met um, someone that works in the, in the same industry, also agency owner a few years ago, and... Um, he asked me like what are your goals i remember i don't remember my specific answer but i remember his response to when i asked back and and he he gave me like i, I want to make three million in sales and i was like okay and i'm nodding my head you know right now people can see me like okay all right yeah and i didn't say anything at the time but his three million like like allowed me to reflect and i'm still kind of in a way thinking about it at that time, three million sounded so, so far off. Now it doesn't sound so far off. It's completely achievable depending on who your clients, your team is like and whatnot. But especially I think with COVID right now, what a lot of people a lot of people are realizing, what I'm also realizing, the bigger you are, the more problems you have. If if you look at you know all the companies uh, out there filing for bankruptcy, um, they're you know the ideal biggest companies out there, and it's like how are these people filing for bankruptcy right now? But notice that the bigger you are, the more problems you have to carry. I've noticed um, you know we have scaled up and we've scaled down in terms of teams, so having more people and having less people. And I realize that you know the the core of what at least what Frenzer does. Is not about having the, these crazy sales and growing a team of 50 people. That is not at all the goal for us. I want us to serve our clients in the best possible way mm-hmm. and my team to be happy within that. Because when you're 50, it's so hard to manage and it's so easy for your team to become unhappy um, that it, com- it becomes a completely different management game. And I feel like right now with, with uh, the current virus situation, people are working from home. People are realizing that there are so many ways of kind of allowing you know, their, their work to, to happen from home. And there is a different narrative to sales, to teams, right. goals yeah. that, is, that needed to be refreshed and completely shifted. So yeah. it's... It, it's a reflection that I kind of give to you, but also to our, to our listeners as well, is that, you know, your goals, although maybe they're very, very big, I always think of myself, but why? Why do I have this goal? Is that going to make me happier? Is that going to make my clients happier? Is that going to make my team happier? And when at least two of the answers are no, then mm, I kind of have to think back on my goals, right? Yeah. Absolutely. I agree. 
Um, and it's, it's something worth considering. I always say that, you know, I try to look for the good even in um, the most dire of circumstances, at least in post, in hindsight, something I learned from, you know, I try to um, raise my children and my company to do the same thing. And I think that this reflection, this moment um, of, you know, kind of re-identifying um, about humanity and people are doing it with their businesses and with their diet and their world. And I think that wonderful things come from thought. I don't think that thought ever produced something really nasty. I think the more that we can sit back and really ponder things and re-question things, um, we're going to get closer to our humanity um, as we come out of this pandemic. Um, we are running out of time, Mariella, but I do want to wrap up with, um, I'm wondering if you have a singular piece of advice that you would offer um, someone who was kind of coming up in the way that you were, someone who was looking at launching their own company, maybe it was social media founded and um, they were, you know, they had a lot of varied history like yourself. They had, you know, educated themselves and kind of come at it through a myriad of ways. What is the top, like two pieces of advice that you would offer an individual who was looking, um, knowing what you know now? Yeah, completely. Um, based, based on my experience, and I think we, we spoke about the, you know, the variety of things that I've kind of done and to, in order to get to, to where I am now, my looking back, what has really served me is just starting. So, so starting something, and I know this is an advice that we hear very often, but I mean, not, not just starting, but starting with knowing that it's going to be imperfect, knowing that it's, it's going to change but knowing that at least I have something out there. And from this thing now, uh, whatever that is, maybe it's a product, maybe, um, maybe you're, you're freelancing, maybe you're a graphic designer, whoever you are, whatever your business is, you're starting, you put something out there. Now your first few customers, they're going to test you and they're going to allow you to reevaluate your whole, you know, your product, your branding, whatever that might be. And that is something positive. Because whether you ask your mom, dad, your boyfriend, how does this look? What do you think? Their opinion is not going to be the opinion of your actual customers. So put something out there, uh, test your product, test your service, reevaluate, rework, and don't be scared to continue to do so. It's something that, you know, after five years of business, we're still completely doing, and I'm never scared to reevaluate and sometimes scratch something completely off the table or bring something completely different to the table that other people are not doing. So that would be my number one advice. And then something that has really worked for me that obviously, you know, initially when you start something, you have a little bit more time on your hands. So what I used to say and, and still really believe strongly in for anyone starting off is say yes to every opportunity because you never know where that's going to bring you. And yeah. that's exactly the motto that I used to live by. And, and I say used to simply because now it's, yes, it's running. Yes, it's smooth. Um, and I simply have less time on my hands to say yes to every opportunity. But especially when you're starting off, you need those connections. You need to meet those people. A lot, you know, a lot of my students ask me like, you know, I'm looking for an internship. Can you help me out? Okay, we open up all the job, the jobs, websites, the internship, no, no, no. And I'm like, I know, I know th this company. I know this company. Like, let me know, like, who you want to talk to. I'll make the introduction. And it's like, how do you, how did you get to know these people? 
I got to know these people because I said yes to every single opportunity. I went to networking events. I actually reached out to people. I connected with them on social media. Don't be scared to go out of your way in order to connect with the person you want to connect um, or, yeah. or get to where you want. And, you know, when it comes to connections, you know, social media is a great, a great channel, you know, an amazing way for you to do so. But be thoughtful into, you know, the way you reach out. I have people reaching out to me on LinkedIn or just saying like, hey, I wanted to, to connect with you and kind of get to know more about you. That just sounds weird, you know, go a little bit deeper than that, you know, tell yeah. me more about you, your goals, et cetera, et cetera, so that I can then open up to you. So those would be my little advices. And I think they apply to a variety of people from a variety of industries and yeah. I hope really that they can serve. I'm certain they will. Thank you so much for your time today, Mariella. I really appreciate you speaking with us and giving us all of your information and knowledge. Of course. Thank you so much, Patricia, for having me. It was such a pleasure. And once again, if uh, any one of you listening want to reach out on a more personal level, you can uh, you can do so by following on Instagram at Ella Cats and then Cats with two Zs. Or uh, check out what we do at friendsorfriendsor.com or on Friendsor across all social media. Perfect. And for everyone listening, thank you for giving us your time today. And until we speak again next time, remember to always bet on yourself. Sláinte.